Exodus 33, Exodus chapter 33, and uh, thank you so much for being here uh, as early as, as each and every one of you are, and uh, taking the time on this uh, second Sunday of the new year uh, to be here uh, worshiping God, and uh, I say it, no matter if it's at uh, like 11.45 when we used to start at that time, or at 9.28 this morning, um, it's good to be in the house of God. There's really no better place uh, to be on a Sunday morning. And, uh, and we started last week with our new theme for this year, which is reaching, to reach. We want to we reach higher. We want to reach more in our Christian life. And, uh, and this, this, this year, that's what I'm challenging myself in, and, and I'm hoping to challenge you in as well, reaching more in our Christian life. Life. In fact, we looked at Philippians 3 when the Apostle Paul said, reaching forth unto those things which are before. And much of the Christian life is found there in that reaching. But this morning, I want to focus in Exodus chapter number 33 on reaching to know God more. Reaching to know God more. Before we jump into the passage, though, if you've not... Um, gotten the notes for the message this morning and you need them, Brother Moses is back there. You can just raise your hand and he'll get you the notes and that way we can follow along and, um, and as we study together, uh, grow in, uh, in different areas <clears throat> that the Lord points out in our, uh, in our lives. Exodus 33 uh, is a passage that uh, if you grew up in church, you may have heard uh, this story, um, but it is part of the life of Moses. And, uh, and before we jump into what's going on in Moses' life, let me just say that every, every healthy Christian is a growing Christian. Every healthy Christian is a growing Christian. Now, a growing Christian is one that is knowing God more and more each day. A growing Christian is one that is knowing God more. A healthy Christian is a growing Christian. A growing Christian is one that is getting to know God in their life. Now, our church, one of the reasons that we exist, one of the missions that we have as a church is to know God. From the moment that we're saved and every day after that, there is a desire for the person that has given their life to God, that has received his forgiveness, to know him. It's a desire that comes not because we're part of a church, not because we have a Bible in our house. It's, it's a, de- a desire that is put in us the moment that the Holy Spirit indwells us. We have a desire, a desire to see more of him. Now, we still have our old nature that fights that desire, but there is a desire in every Christian that wants to know God more and more. Now, as I think about this, I, I think about what Arthur Clark said, and, and you may not know who Arthur Clark is, but it, he, he said this, and I, and I agree with it wholeheartedly. He says, every person, or for every person, education should be a process which continues all their life. We have to a- a- abandon as swiftly as possible the idea that school is just for the youth. He says, in fact, how can it be just restricted for the youth in a world 
where half the things a man knows at 20 are no longer true at 40, and half the things he knows at 40 hadn't even been discovered when he was 20, right? You, you have to just keep growing. You, as a person, you have to keep growing and, and, uh, and, and, and getting that knowledge, understanding, growing in wisdom. Uh, as people, we ought to do that. As a society, we try to do that. But just as true as that is for a society, it's even more true for the Christian in his life. A Christian must be growing. A growing Christian is a healthy Christian. Uh, a growing Christian is one that is getting to know God more and more. He's not saying, well, that was just something I did when I was a kid. It's just something I learned when uh, my parents took me to church. It, it's more than that. The Bible says we're supposed to be growing and abounding in knowing God. Now, Exodus chapter 33, let me just give you a little bit of context before we read verse number 12. In chapter 32, Moses has gone up to receive from God the Ten Commandments. Now, it's more than just the Ten Commandments, all right? Uh, Moses is up there. He's receiving uh, many things from God at that time. God is speaking to him about how worship is going to be conducted and what the offerings are going to be and the sacrifices. And, and they're, they're talking about many things as well as the Ten Commandments. Well, it takes about 40 days that he's up there. And in that time, the, the, the people of Israel are at the base of the mountain. They're actually in a valley a, a little bit away from the mountain. And, and they start thinking, I don't know what happened to Moses. He left like two weeks ago. He hasn't come back. Um, I don't know if he's dead or alive. He said he's going to talk to God. He's never been gone this long. Who knows? I think, I think something happened to him. We need to move on in our life. And they go to Aaron and they say, Aaron, I don't know what happened to your brother, but hey, you're, you're a leader here among us as well. And, and um, we, we need to move on. We need to do something. And, and uh, in order to move on, they feel like they need to they need to implement some new type of worship. And they ask Aaron, can you, can you build us something? Can you make something that we can worship? And Aaron says, well, give me all of your earrings and all of your gold. And he gives them all of their, they give him all of their gold and he creates this golden calf. And before Moses is even back from talking with God, the people of Israel are worshiping a false god. Now, it's interesting if you read chapter 32, you'll find that Aaron said when he built the calf, he said, people, behold the God that took you out of Egypt, which means that they assigned to the calf the name of Jehovah. You'll notice in, if you have a, a, an English Bible uh, that it'll, uh, it'll have the word Lord. He says, behold the Lord that took you out, and it's all caps. And when you see that, especially in the King James Bible, it, it stands for the word Jehovah. So they weren't worshiping a God they didn't know. What they were doing is simply changing it and saying, well, we need to give God an image because we've never seen an image of God and we have to have something that represents him. And even before Moses gets back, they're already breaking the commandments. Well, while Moses is up there, God cuts the conversation short and he says, Moses, the people are sinning. The people are doing what's wrong. Go down and take care of it. And at first... He tells uh, Moses, I think I'm just going to go ahead and start a new nation with you, Moses. Now that you're up here, they're down there. I can just rain some fire down on them. We'll start all over. Now, you're talking about probably 1.5 million people that is the people of Israel there in the desert. 
And Moses says, God, wait, 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 wait. Let's not do that. God, God how are you going to do that? They're your people. You brought us out of Egypt. People are going to say you just brought them to kill them in a desert. I mean, why would you even bring them out then? And God says, okay, Moses, I'll be patient. Go down and take care of it now. And of course, Moses goes down and sees what they're doing. They're dancing and they're, and they're, uh, and they're worshiping this false idol in front of, uh, of, this, uh, uh, of this altar there. And, and so he gets so mad, he throws down the tablets that God had written the commandments on with his finger. And he grinds down the tablets to powder. And then he says, who's on the Lord's side? Step to me. And all the tribe of Levi steps to him. And he says, okay. He says, uh, if you're really with me, if you're on the Lord's side, and those that are disobeying and doing what they know is wrong, kill them. And 3,000 men die that day. And then God sends a plague. The Bible doesn't tell us how many died, but he sends a plague. And, and Moses, seeing what's going on, goes back to talk with God. And that's where you pick up in chapter 33. And, and I want to read the first three verses before we get to verse number 12. Look at verse number one of chapter 33. And the Lord said unto Moses, depart and come up hence, or go up hence. And thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, unto thy seed will I give it. Look at verse number two. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, and the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in the midst uh, for I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. Well, here's amazing. God says, Moses, go to the promised land. I'm going to help you conquer the Canaanite, the Amorite. I'm going to help you conquer, but I'm not going to go with you. To my angel, I'll give you victory. I'll give you the land that flows with milk and honey that, uh, honey that I promised to, to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. Go up, but I won't be with you. Now skip down to verse number 12. Skip down to verse number 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people. Thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, Show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, Thy presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For when shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. What's going on in Moses' life is a crisis that's not of his making. He's having to deal with people that have rebelled against God, and he's now speaking with God, intercessing for them, that God would not destroy them. God says, I'm not going to destroy them, but just go up to the promised land. 
But Moses says, that's not good enough. We're going to go to the promised land and conquer there, and then what? If you're not going to go with us, what does it all mean anyway? He says, God, I, I know this, that the fact that you're our God and you've chosen us to be your people is what distinguishes us from the rest of the people on earth. So if you're not going to go with us, then don't take us. Don't, 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 don't send me there. If you're not going with me, then I'm not going. Then he says in verse 18, and God, if I could ask you, would you show, you, would you show me your glory? Hmm. We see in Moses a man that is wanting to know God. That is wanting to know God. But what does it mean to know God? I mean, we're reading about it, but what is it that really stands out about Moses here that, that is different from the other people of Israel? I mean, they knew the name the Lord. They'd been worshiping him for quite some time now. It's not like this is the first time they've ever heard of God or they've ever heard of uh, any kind of worship towards this God. So they know the Lord, but they really don't know the Lord. Not like Moses does. What does it really mean to know God more? Well, this morning I want to just share with you a few truths about really what it means to know God more. To reach in our Christian life a point where this is more than just something we do Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. That it's something more that we live than just a kind of routine like having a job. But that it's something real. Something that we really are getting to know God. Not just kind of following what he says to do. No, no, more than that. I mean getting to know God. What, what does that life look like? What's that life like? I want to start this morning by looking at what it is not. What it is not. Knowing God is not a few things. Now, many, uh, many people believe that uh, they know God for different reasons. Some because they had an experience and, and now they say, I, I know God. Right? This happened in my life, now I know God. Others think because... They're related to a person maybe in their family that, that goes to church. And, the, yeah, I know, I know about God. Yeah, yeah, I know God. Yeah. They, they, they don't follow him. They don't really know what his word says. But they would say, yeah, I, I, I know God. Yeah, yeah. Some, because they have a Bible and they've maybe read it a couple times, they say, yeah, I, I know God. I know God. But is that really knowing God? Have you ever read your Bible and, and then said, not sure what I just read. Have you ever gotten a point into your life where you say, God is doing something. I have no idea what he's doing. Why would God do this? I thought God was. Why is God doing this? I think sometimes we think we know God, but we don't. Because we think knowing God is something that it's not. Number one, let me just say, it's not seeing God's acts. 
Just because we see God's hand move on something or on someone doesn't mean that we know God. Knowing about what God has done for others and in others doesn't mean that we know God. Knowing God is more than just knowing what he's done. Most of the world can tell you, oh, yeah, yeah, the people of the, uh, uh, Israel, yeah, yeah, they, they, they were led out of Egypt by God. They, they would know that. Many would know that Moses, uh, through God's power, split the Red Sea and they passed on dry ground. Many would know about what God did in the desert with the people of Israel. But does that mean they know God? You see, knowing God is more than just knowing what he's done. It's more than that. I love what the psalmist said in, in Psalm 103, verse 7. He says, he made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. There's a difference. The ways of God is why God is doing something. The acts of God is what God did. Sometimes we see what God did and we think we know him, but you don't know his ways and you don't know him. Because knowing God is more than just seeing God's acts. Number two, it's more than just fulfilling religious ceremonies. It's more than just fulfilling religious ceremonies. In chapter 32, I, did, I, I know I didn't read it, but you see, first of all, that they say, behold the Lord about the calf, the Lord that took you out and brought you out of the land of Egypt. They, they, they knew what God had done. They just didn't know God. And now they start building an altar to this calf, and they start doing these religious ceremonial things. But they don't know God. Oh, if you were to ask them, do you worship the Lord? They would say, yeah, the Lord, oh yeah, that's who we worship. That is our God. But they don't know God. As they actively disobey what God has said. You'll notice that knowing God is more than just fulfilling religious ceremonies. The people of Israel made altars. They gave sacrifices. It was a form of worshiping God that they had done before and that they knew honored God. And yet here they're doing it to an idol because they don't know God. Many years later, the prophet Isaiah would say this in Isaiah 29, 13, Wherefore, the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but I've removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. God says, you, you honor me with your lips, but that's not what your life is showing. They were saying, behold, the Lord that brought you out of Egypt, but they're saying it to a calf, an idol, that has eyes but cannot see and ears that cannot hear. Now, they know that literally that calf didn't move or do anything. They, they wanted something to represent God that they can touch. But God said, I don't want you making any idol that tries to resemble me. In the New Testament, Jesus would tell a woman at the world that God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In Isaiah chapter 1, he had this message for those that were there, what makes you think I want all your sacrifices, says the Lord. This is in the New Living Translation. I am sick of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened cattle. 
I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to worship me, who asks you to parade through my courts with all your ceremony? Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offerings disgusts me. As for your celebrations of the new moon and the Sabbath and your special days for fasting, they are all sinful and false. I want no more of your pious meetings. Israel knew how to go through the motions. You know about sacrifices and bulls and goats and lambs. And God says, I'm tired of it. Now, who taught them to sacrifice bulls and lambs and goats? God did. Who taught them how to build the altar and the fire? God did. Who told them about the Sabbaths and the special days? God did. And now he's saying, and I'm sick of what you're doing. Why? Because it had become religious and not real. Because they didn't know God. They weren't living in a way that was knowing God. It was about knowing what God had done. And it was knowing about, hey, this is what the religion teaches. This is what we got to do. And it began to be all about doing and not growing. You know, I'm afraid that not much has changed in 4,000 years or so since it's been when they were alive doing what they were doing. We live a day and age where everyone's a Christian. Just look at social media. We all are. It's amazing to me, and I'm going to say at least I was thankful for the fact that when tragedy struck last Monday on a football game, they stopped the game. But then they started praying. They started taking photos and video of guys praying there for their friend that had had a heart attack in the middle of the game. Later in the week, there was a, a commentator, Dan Ovlasky, and in the middle of the week, as they were talking about it, he said, he's a Christian, he's an outspoken Christian. He said, guys, I just, everybody talks about uh, prayer, and you know what? I'm just going to pray right now. And there on live television on ESPN, he prayed. And I just thought about the, the contrast of all of this. Almost the contradiction of it all. Because if you were to ask the NFL, can we have one month that would call it prayer month like you do for uh, the, the, the pink in October for breast cancer and, and the, the gay pride and the social justice you put on. Uh, can we have one month of just prayer and say, this is going to be the month of prayer in the NFL? They would turn it down like that. They'd say, we're not a, we're not a religious company. Oh, we, can't, we can't do that. We're not doing that. Oh, but someone has a heart attack on the field and everyone's praying. Say, Pastor, how many of them are actually Christians? I have no idea. I don't decide that. How many of them are actually living a life that is knowing God? I have no idea. None. I just think it's ironic how that works that way. Because people think they know God because we've seen what he's done. Or because we know, hey, prayer, that's part of the Christian life. That's what we do. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're Christians. Go to church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we do. We're, we're Christians. 
teach the Bible. Yeah, yeah, that's what I do. I'm a Christian. And you can even do that at home. You have devotions with your kids. Yeah, I have devotions with my kids. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder, are devotions just to get through it? Or because you're really wanting to know something and grow? Listen, I, I know we're all busy, and I'm no different as a father. I've been guilty of just getting through a devotional because, hey, it's like, guys, you got to go to bed. I'll give you 10 minutes. Let's go. And I've had to confront the idea, do I really want my kids to know God or just know what he's done or just know how to behave and what to do at church? Knowing God is not seeing his acts. and It's not fulfilling religious ceremonies. Then what is it? Well, let's talk about what it is then. What is knowing God? Verse Number 12, we see Moses now talking. And I think it's interesting what he said. He said unto the Lord, see thou say unto me, bring up this people. And thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I, I know thee by name, and, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Moses is just saying, God, you, you said you know me. You say, you're telling me, go and do this, Okay. But you're not, you haven't said who's going with me. And, and now notice what he says in verse 13. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, if it's true that I have found grace, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I might find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is thy people. Consider that, God. And then he says in verse 14 that God said, and he said, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. In verse 15, Moses said, if thy presence Go not with me, carry us not up to him. Man, it's so, such a huge contrast. Chapter 32, God says, go. I'll give you victory. Yeah, I promised you. I'm not man that I should lie. I said I'd give you the, the land. I'm going to give you the land that floweth with milk and honey. Go up, conquer it. But I'm not going with you. Moses said, but, but if you're not going to go with me, and don't, don't send me. Do you know when it is that you know that you are growing and knowing God because you want to know God? It's when you get to the point in your life when you want his presence more than his presence. He told them, you can have the land. I'm going to help you conquer it, but I'm just not going to go with you. Let me ask you something. Do you want to know God because of what he can give you? Or do you want to know God because you want him with you? See, a growing relationship with God is one that looks beyond what he can give me. It's someone that's just going to be with me. Sometimes we determine our friends this way, right? When everything's going well and we're sharing and, and giving, those friends are there. But when things start going south, it's the ones that stay that you say, those are my real friends. 
because I have nothing to offer them and nothing to give them and nothing to to add to them, but they still want to stay here with me. That's what Moses said about God. He said, if your presence isn't going to go with me, I'm not going. Because I'd rather have you with me than what you can give me. I wonder what our attitude is this morning. Are we here because we think that if we're here, then God will bless our job, bless our health, give us more of what we want? How many blessings can I get from God this year? He was good to me last year. How many will I get this year? I'd say in your Christian life, you don't know God. You don't know his ways. You don't care for him. You just care for what he can give you. And that's not going to lead you to a life that wants to know God. That's why so many people, even Christians, they can be in church five years, sometimes even ten, and leave. Well, I know everything that they're going to teach. I know I've heard every story. I've memorized many chapters. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know God. I would say, no, you you know about God. You know his acts. You know his ceremonies. But let me tell you something. You're never going to know God until you desire more of his presence than what he can give you, than his blessings. Moses said, if you're, not, if you're not going with me, no. The psalmist, after he had sinned and was re- repenting, Psalm 51, David writes this after the sin with Bathsheba. He says, cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from it. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. He said, don't, don't cast me out of your presence. We know God when we get to the point in our life where we desire more of his presence than his blessings. Secondly, we know God and we're knowing God when we want his glory more than our gratification. Verse 18, Moses said, and I beseech thee, I beg you, show me thy glory. This second request reflects Moses' desire to know God more. He didn't say, give me a bigger army, give us more land. No, he just said, show me your glory. It was the glory of God that was on his mind going into this promised land. It wasn't, hey, uh, uh, what, what mountain do you got for me on the other side of the Jordan, Lord? It wasn't that. What kind of farmland is that going to be? It wasn't that. Even as Moses was preparing the people to go into the promised land, and at this point, Moses was in his, on his way to the promised land, it was all about God's glory. What were people going to say about their God? That's why he said, The only thing that makes us different from everybody is your presence, God. That's why we want your presence. And more than just your presence, we want to see your glory. 
we want to see you do something in us. It's just not happening everywhere else. You know when a a church begins to know God, begins to know God when, when it comes to the point, and I'm talking about the members of the church, to say we need more of God's presence in this place. It's important what is taught. And it's important how we live our life. And when there's a, a people that say we want God's presence and more of it, and we want God's glory. That's when the church can make a difference and be a difference. When it's more than, oh man, if we could just have bigger buildings, forget the buildings. What's God going to do for his glory? What are people going to say about God through us in our lives? Because then we're going to want to know God. In fact, you'll, you'll find when you read in chapter 34 of Exodus, when Moses came down from the mountain, that his face shone brightly, so brightly that the people said, I, I don't know, Moses, if you understand, you're, it, it's almost scary, and can you put a veil on, and, and Moses would put a veil on. And every time he'd go and talk with God, his, his face would shine brightly, and he'd come back, and, and when he'd tell the people what God said, he'd have to put a veil on, even though it was going to fade away later. He would do that. You see, there's something that shines. There's something different about a person that wants to know more about God and have more of his presence and his glory. There's something different about it. In the New Testament, I love what John the Baptist, he said. He said, he must increase, but I must decrease. It's just God's glory. Heard about a man that <clears throat> was uh, somewhat of, a, of an atheist and walked into this classroom uh, full of boys and girls that were blind and mute. And he knew that most of them were from church. And, and he told them, he said, well, <clears throat> if God is as good as you say he is, then why did he allow you to be blind and mute? What kind of God does that? All these boys and girls that were blind and mute just sat there thinking about what he said. And finally, one brave little girl got up and she was mute, so she had to go to the chalkboard and she went to the chalkboard and she simply wrote these words, Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. When you really want to know God, it's really more about his glory than your gratification. It's more than just, what am I getting out of this? What's he doing for me? It's more than, well, God, why did you let that happen? Our relationship was just growing, and you took that person from me. God doesn't always tell us why. But can I say someone that knows him knows that his glory is more important than my knowing why. His glory is more important than what I'm getting. 
So how do we grow? How do we grow? How do we do this? How do we have our face shine? How are we different? How can we do what Jesus would later say, let your light so shine before men? How do we do that? Well, first of all, we do that through the leading of his spirit. Now, the leading of God's spirit comes through his word. In fact, in John 14, 26, he told the disciples, I'm going to leave, but as I leave, I'm going to send the comfort and he will guide you into all truth. What is that truth? Well, I put it in your notes. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As we study and meditate on God's word, we begin to understand, begin to hear what pleases him. We begin to learn what are his ways. We don't live in a time, in a day and age where God leads through visions and dreams anymore. Because that which is perfect has come, and that is the word of God. It's the complete word of God. But that's why it's so important for us that have put our faith in him to reach in our Christian life. Uh, to, to read more of his word with understanding and ask him to lead us by his spirit so that we can see and meditate on the truths of his word. It's so important that we get a Bible that we can read and understand. I encourage you, if you don't have a study Bible, get one. Get a devotional book that has a, just a, a small devotional thought for every day. Maybe buy a book about the Christian life on how to love your spouse better. And what does the Bible say about loving your spouse better? Or, or uh, what does the Bible say about being a better parent? Or, or what does the Bible say about who God is? Finding some good books, some good authors that help you grow in that area. And say, Holy Spirit of God, would you lead me to understand this? To grasp it. Galatians 5.18 says, But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. You're not going to be doing this because, oh, well, pastor said, i got to read five books by, by next Sunday. That's the law. I'm not saying that. Just be led by the Spirit. About what book? You see, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished into all good works. You want to know God, be led by the Holy Spirit. How am I going to be led by the Spirit? Through His Word. The Spirit gives us illumination. He begins to help us understand. 1 Corinthians 2 says, The unnatural man, the person that's not saved, cannot understand these truths, but He has given us His Spirit, so that we, by his spirit can understand. That's how he leads us. But secondly, not only do we need the leading of the Holy Spirit to understand, but we need the control of the Holy Spirit so that we might obey. Knowing God is more than just understanding his word, but it's also, it's also found in obeying. The obedient Christian is the growing Christian. And the growing Christian is the one that is knowing God more. Obedience comes 
as a result of seeing what maybe we didn't see before and understanding what we didn't understand before. So as you read God's word, he gives you more understanding. As he gives you more understanding, now there's an opportunity to obey. And the more that you obey, growth. That growth leads you to know God more. And knowing God more will produce in your heart a desire to have just his presence. And suddenly life will be more than just what we have. And we can, we can put away the idea that whoever ends with the most toys wins. No. It's whoever finishes the race with him. And the one that lives for his glory matters. Ephesians 5.18, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled. That word filled means controlled with the Spirit. And then it changes everything. I don't have time because I've already run out of time, but 2 Corinthians chapter 3, you can just write it in your notes there. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Moses I mean, uh, the Apostle Paul talks about what happened in this chapter of Exodus 33 with Moses. And he says that in the Old Testament, when, when you would do certain things with God and, then you, and, and, and God was given the Ten Commandments and the law, he said it made Moses to shine, but that was going to fade away. Moses didn't stay that way. His face didn't always shine. It, it faded away because all that the Ten Commandments could do was condemn. Couldn't give life. But now through the Spirit and those that have accepted Christ as their personal Savior, He's given us His Spirit to indwell us. Those with His Spirit can be led by the Spirit and controlled by the Spirit. And now through the Spirit be more and more conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's what 2 Corinthians chapter 3 is all about. And Paul references Exodus 33 just like he's shown that He can shine in us. So this morning, can I ask you, are you living a life that is knowing more of God? I'm not asking you if you've seen him do some amazing things. I'm not asking you if you've gone to church in the past year or read your Bible. My question is, do you know him? Do you know him? Are you wanting his presence more than his blessings? And do you want his glory more than your gratification. The only way that we can be a church that shines in this community, makes any kind of difference, the only way that you can influence your friends, the only way that you can really see a difference is by living a growing Christian life. So, so I want to just encourage you this morning, this year of 2023, Live a life that is knowing God more. I'm telling you, you'll reach some milestones this year that you've never reached before just because you know God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for your truth. Father, I pray that as we meditate on what it is to know you, I pray that we would make a decision today a decision not to simply be in church more this year, no. More than a resolution, Father. 
want a real change. I pray that in our lives we would have the right kind of desires. And that those desires would include more of your presence and more of your glory. Because, Father, that's really all it is to know you. May we be like Moses in which you show us your ways. Because we want to know you, Father. Not about you, not what you've done. But truly know you. Help us this, this week and be with us in this time, Father, that we might live a life that is knowing you more every day. I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.